Taylor the No City on the Sideline Dad podcast. Hey, I got a question. Have you ever dreamed of doing something different in life? Why didn't you do it? What was holding you back? My guest, Jenny Edwards, off the book, bumping down the highway, she did something different in leaving her dream in an RV on the road. She says her stories and adventures next on the podcast. Let's do this. Welcome to the No Sitting on the Sideline Dad podcast, a podcast about a journey of discovery and conversations about not sitting on the sideline of life. Let's get involved. Here's host Joe Foley. Hey, welcome to the podcast. Hey, my name is Joe Foley, and I really want to say thank you for being here. Really. Thank you. Thank you for taking time to listen to me. I know time's limited and crazy busy right now. Well, Actually, the world's kind of slowed down the time of this recording, COVID, and we're at home. But, hey, you have other options for entertainment, and I really appreciate you taking time to listen to me. Next up, my guest, Jenny Edwards, author of the book, Bumping Down the Highway. Jenny lives the RV life, living her dream of venturing down the road. In this interview, we talk about living her dream, getting out of her comfort zone, jumping into life, figure things out, overcome your fears, like doing something you always want to do, but what, what is holding you back? Why are you scared? Because you know what? Once you get on the other side of it, it's not that bad. We talk about the RV life from community to traveling on the open road. I kind of find that's cool. You know, you can go to different places, different parks and meet different people and people willing to help. It was a fun conversation with Jenny about that and also how to enjoy life. Jenny, she has a lot of interesting tips and stories. So let's jump right in. Welcome to the podcast, Jenny. Thank you. Thanks for having me. I got to ask a question though. What is it like in an RV, living in the RV life? What is it like? It's amazing. So in this world, in this culture, in this community, people don't care what your religion is, what your political affiliations are, what your job is. They really only care about individuals as people and what can they do to help each other every day. We eat together, we see sights together, we have fun together. And when we have challenges, we do that together as well. What kind of challenges does a person face as an living the RV life? So let's think. My biggest challenge probably is laundry, finding a place that's clean and nice to do laundry. I think that's probably now my biggest challenge. It used to just be driving. When I bought my first big RV, the big motorhome, I thought, how hard can it be? I pulled <laughs> a camper across the country, and I didn't test drive it. I gave them a check, and I climbed in, and I couldn't keep it on the road. So I had to quickly figure out how not to be the queen of a RV park sitting still in my new fancy house on wheels. But... Uh, now today, it's really the biggest challenge is what am I going to do today? What are we going to What are we going to cook? What are we going to eat together today? I've I, I got to admit, though, I mean, I have a hard time backing up a van, like a van, a mini, like a van. I I I can't. <laughs> so I can't imagine parking an RV. I always get picked on at work about that. But like, what is like, what is it like though? What is it like driving that uh, driving a vehicle like that? 
so each one is different, and I've had all kinds now. I had the first one was a little bumper pull. It attached to the bumper. And then the next one was a big truck that pulled uh, a camper that attaches into the bed of the truck called a fifth wheel. And then I had my giant 40-foot Class A tour bus motorhome. And now I just bought a new Class C, which is long, but it's a little smaller and a little lighter. Uh, and there are challenges with each one. I think the easiest to drive is probably this Class C. The big Class A, the big tour bus, when you drive down the road, it's like driving into a hurricane. <laughs> the wind is smacking you right in the face, and trucks that go by, try, you know, you feel the whole RV move because they have the wind has hit you. But after you get used to it, you relax. I thought I would never use cruise control in an RV, and I do every day. <laughs> I, I can drink my coffee or my water and, and drive. Now, it's, uh, I, people joke, I back up better than I drive forwards. I can park anywhere if I have to back in. What is? What did you do before this? What was your life like this before? So I was the uh, product heel-wearing, running through airports, successful businesswoman, 47 little black dresses and, and I don't know how many pairs of shoes I had and the Louis Vuitton purses. And it was, it looked like I was living the American dream. That's what I was chasing, but it didn't feel like it. Instead, I worked for someone and I had to do what they told me every day. I worked too many hours. I didn't have time for family and friends. And when I made the, the decision to be happily homeless, I that doesn't mean I don't have a roof over my head. I do. I have a beautiful mm -hmm. RV, but it means I don't have a physical address anymore. I, I worked for a multi-billion dollar publicly traded company. And when I was there, I saw too many people, young people, die. They, you know, either they, they had a heart attack or they had a stroke or, or something happened to them. And, and I just decided that, you know what, today's my someday. You hear all these people say, someday I'm going to do something. I made the decision that today was my someday. I'm going to live this chapter of my life uh, for as long as I can. And it's absolutely amazing. What are some of the thoughts that went through your head when making that decision? I didn't, there was not just a one moment when I made the decision. Mm -hmm. At first I was, forced to go on this little road trip and I thought I would rush across the country because I had to drive and I was going to have to stay in these little cabins with no running water and bring my own bedding. That was like out, way outside of my comfort zone, but it was the only place I could find that they would allow both of my dogs. And so I thought I'd do it in four days, get across and be done with it. And I fell in love with it. I slowed down. I started taking detours and enjoying the sight. And two months later, when I came back home, I decided to buy a little camper and not to live in. But I thought, if I'm going to make any more of those, these trips, then I'm going to have my things with me, my thousand thread count sheets, etc. <laughs> and I, I fell in love with the RV community there and made the decision that I would live full time in an RV. I, and I think it just evolved over time. It was just the people that I met, the people in RV parks, they taught me how to do everything. They taught me how to connect my RV, how to get level. They taught me everything. And then they helped me and they worried about me along the way. 
And I think it was the community that really made me decide this is what I was going to do. It's interesting how you just went out and you leaped out and jumped out and overcame your fear and, and did something. How does like you see your people when you were working and then their dreams and they're just saying, I'm not jumping. How did that make you feel? Scary. <laughs> so it, people ask me all the time, aren't you afraid? You're out there by yourself traveling around the country. It's been 47 states now. And, and I tell them all the time, I'm afraid every day. I'm afraid every time I try something new, I just finally realized that courage was not a lack of fear. It was doing the thing you were afraid of, afraid of in spite of the fear because the end goal was more important. And, and so I believe, I believe I can do anything. I, I forget sometimes that I can't, like <laughs> when I bought that big motor home and didn't test drive it or, or when I was driving over my first mountain. I'm afraid when I get there, but I just keep going. I just do it anyway because I, I don't want... I don't want to be like some people who let fears stop them from being the best person they can be or stop them from trying new things. Well, I just get out there and I just do it. I was thinking about what is some interesting experience of like meeting people? Have you, what was kind of like any really cool stories you could tell? Oh, my life is full of cool stories. It's <laughs> <laughs> always bumping down highways, but some of them are, I would say the first, mountain, big mountain that I crossed was between Cheyenne and Laramie in Wyoming. And I I had been pulling my RV and I was really nervous about this mountain. People kept telling me, just don't burn up your brakes. Don't ride the brakes because you'll if you burn up your brakes, they're not going to do you any good. And so it it took me a while to get across this mountain. I even stopped just before the mountain, before the crest, and considered asking if I could pay someone to drive <laughs> me across the mountain. And I thought about turning around. I thought, maybe maybe I made it this far. You know, I, I did something big. I went from Florida to Wyoming. I could turn around now, and it would be okay. And decided that, nope, I'm going over the mountain. So me and my fear of keeping my foot on the brake, I really didn't know how you were supposed to accomplish this. I was going too fast when I hit the top of the mountain. And when I started going down, I was speeding up faster and faster and faster and faster. I mean, it was like 35 to 45, 50 in, in seconds, in minutes. And I kept tapping my brakes, and I had trailer brakes that I was working with my hand, and the trailer brakes were screaming. That was the day that literally I accepted the fact that I was going to die. And it was, it was, I felt sick to my stomach. I was hot. And then I thought, if I find one of these runoffs, these emergency truck runoffs, I won't kill somebody else in the process. And, and I, so I'm looking. And then I hear this voice in my head that says, put your foot on the brake right now. And I literally, you hear people say they were standing on the brake. Mm -hmm. I literally, my rear end came out of my seat and I was standing up with my foot <laughs> on the brake. And it was pretty incredible because I, I found out what I wasn't doing was pushing it hard enough when I pushed it because your engine should take over and slow you down, go into a lower gear. 
when I did that, it was like a roar. And then it was like a parachute grabbed me and pulled me back. Oh, wow. It was going pretty fast, but going slow enough that um, I didn't run off the side of the mountain and I made it to the bottom. So I have a lot of cool stories like that. And then there are the stories, uh, like I was traveling throughout West. I was in Idaho. On my way West, I stopped at this gas station to get gas, and the guy at the cash register said, have you ever seen Shoshone Falls? And I, I said no, and he, he made comment, you should go see it. Well, I was on my way somewhere, so I kept going. When I came back east, I didn't realize it, but I stopped at that very same gas station, and this must be this guy's stop question to anybody traveling. <laughs> and when I get to the cash register, he says, have you ever seen Shoshone Falls? And so this time, I looked at him and I said, no, I've seen the signs. You told me about it through last time. But can I get that beast out there down to the falls? He looked out and kind of shrugged. He said, well, maybe. <laughs> That's all I needed. He gave me directions and it was tough getting it down there. But I saw one of the most incredible waterfalls I have ever ever seen. It rivals Niagara Falls. Oh, wow. And this is a place that most people don't even know exists. And so there, there are those places that I saw or, or wanting to find a waterfall. I think I was in New Hampshire or Connecticut. I was somewhere northeast. And I just Googled waterfalls near me and I found someone who posted about this waterfall and they it was not a public place. You had to, there was no sign. There was nothing. Mm-hmm. You had to go through the woods to get to it. And so I used all of his points of reference. You know, you go, you look for this kind of grassy area with rocks around it. And then you follow straight back into the woods. There's going to be a path and you go right. And it eventually told you to, to follow the creek bed back up. And uh, I got lost. <laughs> no self-service, no nothing. Uh, but I found the waterfall. And when I got to the waterfall and I sat down there by myself, I had lunch and I was looking up at this beautiful, incredible thing. And I decided I'd had enough. And, and I picked up my phone because what I do is do, uh, if I go into a place like that, even if I don't have self-service, I'll take a picture of my GPS so that hopefully with my um, compass, I can navigate myself back out. And when I did, it said, park car nearby. Literally, I had taken a wrong turn. It took me hours to get oh, there. No. <laughs> I was like a five-minute walk from my car. But, but I, enjoyed, I enjoyed the journey. That's, that's part of the, the uh, trip and the, the adventure you have out there. What is like, I'm curious, because how do you get mail? That's one thing I'm thinking about. How do you get mail? So people get mail in different ways that live this life. There are over 2 million known full-time RVers. And there are a couple of things you can have that are full-time RVers. If you have a family member, you can use their address. Mm-hmm. You have to have an address. The other thing is there are companies out there that will provide you with a physical address. And you can you pay them a membership fee. Your mail goes there, and they will do one of two things. You get to choose. They'll either open your mail for you, scan it, and email it to you, or they will send it to you when you tell them you're ready. So pack it up and send it to say your next stop. So there, there are a couple of different ways. People find ways. 
What is what is one place like you've been like trucks like truck stop and gas station? Anything cool that stands out to you? Uh, gas station. My RV is gas, not diesel. Mm-hmm. And so, if you're at a truck stop, you could pull your big RV through the same place that big trucks get fuel. But I have to get this big thing through the gas area, and sometimes that's a little bit of a challenge. Sometimes I pull in and I have to I have to circle right back out, or I don't make the turn. Truck stops, I have spent nights in truck stops, and sometimes it's a little loud. <laughs> <laughs> but I think overall, interesting. The, the biggest thing is tough getting in and out of gas wrapping this big thing around and not running over anything to get out. One thing I quote from your book that I was reading, bumping roads are uncomfortable, but often learn the best lessons from uncomfortable situations. I mean, we mentioned about driving down the mountain. I wonder if you can share any more uncomfortable situations you overcame as your life experiences, RV life? Probably when I took my first big trip with the fifth wheel, with my first bigger RV, mm-hmm. the RV park I had been in, I'd taken some small trips, just going to see my brother a few hours a day and then coming back. But here at, or there at Flamingo Lake RV Resort in Jacksonville, they had escorts. Mm-hmm. So when you pulled in, someone someone led you to your RV site and they helped you get parked. They guided you into a space. And the first RV park on my adventure when I left was in Georgia. And when <laughs> I checked in, the, the person was handed me a map and circled where I was and where I was going. He kind of drew a line with a Sharpie saying, here's how you get to your site. And I, I guess I assumed all RV parks had someone that would help you. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I asked him and he said, no, ma'am, we don't have that. This is the way you go. And then I was trying to figure out, I'm shaking like a leaf, trying to figure out how to drive, look at the map of where I'm going at the same time and then get into my site. And I had, I had to back into the site, brand new at doing it. And so I, I, it took me quite some time to get back in. But here in my very first site, I ran over the water line, the oh, water no. ticket, and <laughs> water everywhere. <laughs> and so I climb out of my truck and I call the office and tell them, I just want something up. I have a problem. And, and they, they were fine. They came to help me. They assured me that this happens all the time. And I, I think it would cost less for them to have escorts than all those things that get run over. <laughs> but, you know, so, so it was just getting used to learning how to connect and learning how to disconnect and learning how to drive. Those things are all scary until you, you practice, you know, you just do it over and over. I know when I bought the motor home and I didn't test drive it and I got in it and mm-hmm. didn't know how to drive, uh, someone from a friend of mine from an RV park came to help me get back to the RV park and then connected me with Chuck Erwiller from RV driving school. Mm -hmm. And I took two days of private lessons with him. Uh, It was amazing. He helped me so much, you know, to get to him. It took me hours to get somewhere that probably should have taken an hour. I think I drove (laughs) about 45 miles an hour down the interstate. But after two days of lessons with him, he had me doing everything. I could parallel park, you know, this 40 foot monster Parallel park. <laughs> Parallel park. That yeah, yeah. Yeah. I could do, I could do so many things. He made me drive through a movie theater parking lot. Mm-hmm. He made me drive through a Walmart and a mall and 
on the interstate and on back roads. And when we finished those two days, I said to him, so I, I'd like to go to Oregon to see my son for Thanksgiving the end of next week. Mm-hmm. Would that be crazy? <laughs> and he said, I told you, you needed to practice. Don't look at it as a trip from Florida to Oregon. You just do what you can every day. Don't overextend yourself and, and treat each day as you're taking a practice trip and you'll be fine. Oh, I absolutely was. I was a day late getting there, but they held Thanksgiving dinner for me. There were a lot of people there. It was amazing to know that you accomplished something, that you were able to do something. And I I think I just don't know I'm afraid. Well, I know I'm afraid. I just think I can do anything and then step out there and do it before I realize I'm afraid. (laughs) Step out of your comfort zone. Get get beyond that because that's what usually people say the more the most success is the most rewards are on the other side of fear. Absolutely. Absolutely. It is on the other side of fear. Like when I got down that mountain, that the day that I thought I was going to die, when I hit the bottom of that mountain, it was the most incredible, exciting feeling I think that I have ever had to know, look at this. I did this. I survived this. I'm so glad I did it. I get lost all the time. And sometimes that's a little scary because you don't know if you're heading in a direction that your RV will even fit because what if the road is too narrow or there's a low bridge. But sometimes getting lost is the best part, too. And that's, you know, that's scary. But it, sometimes that you see the most incredible sights getting lost. <laughs> it's kind of cool taking the back roads, taking the side streets. Instead of taking the main roads, you find the really cool stuff, too. <laughs> I do find some really cool stuff sometimes by accident. But <laughs> I, I prefer back roads. Um, you know, I don't, I'm not in a hurry. I don't need to go 75 miles an hour down the interstate. I'd rather be 35 miles an hour going through little towns or 45 miles an hour on these curvy back roads. There, there's some pretty cool places out there. Sometimes though, I've ended up on a back road that has a detour and another detour and my GPS says, we don't know where you are. (laughs) We don't know what you're doing. (laughs) I did have my, my GPS said to me one day, prepare to pull over ahead and walk the rest of the way. And I thought. <laughs> that is, that's funny. <laughs> I never, I mean, I, sometimes I, I do the, ignore the GPS, tell them to go right. Nah, I don't feel like going right. Go left. Nah, I don't feel like going left. <laughs> right. I do that a lot. So I have to fight it because I figure eventually it'll, it'll root me back out, route me back out where I need to be. But some of, some of the best places I've been have been because I got lost. Sometimes it was a little tough. I took the Lee's Ferry a couple of years ago. I drove my, my, not to take the Lee's Ferry, that was very exciting to drive my big bus uh, on, onto the ferry and be in the front. But when I got off, on the other side, I missed a turn. My GPS told me to do something and and I miss the turn, and the next thing I know, I'm on this bridge, and I'm looking over into Cape May, and I can tell that this road ends in the water. Like, not, it's way down there. But it looks like, if you can imagine, little tiny old town with lots of tourists walking everywhere oh, wow. and, and narrow two-lane streets. And so I had to figure out, how am I going to turn around and get out of here? <laughs> um, driving a 40-foot bus, dragging a jeep behind me. And so I get to a street, a lot of one-way streets. I get to a street and I turn right because my thought is, okay, I turn right, I turn left. 
I turn left and I turn left and I'm back out on the road. Well, so I made the right turn, but then I saw ahead of me more water and a parking <laughs> lot. Well, I made that turn and then I made the left turn back up, but there was no red light. So here I am with people everywhere. Nobody wants to let me out in the road to turn left and cross traffic. And so I just inched and inched and inched until people were forced to stop. And someone from the other direction was kind enough to think, yeah, crap, she's going to run over me if I don't stop. <laughs> and so I made my way back out. But because I did that, once I got to the RV park the next day, I packed up my car and spent the day in Cape May. Sometimes you get lost for good, for good reasons. I want to question. One of the interesting is, um, what does your family think about this? Hmm. So uh, my brother encouraged me to do it. He, he said, go travel, go do the things that you want to do. My son said, go mom. <laughs> and my daughter was a little more worried about me. But, you know, I think after five, almost five years, they have, they might think I'm crazy, but they've accepted it. <laughs> they worry. I think more than anything, it's worry. They worry about me traveling by myself. What is it like? I mean, have you run into any bad situations? Yeah, you run into bad situations all the time, but there are, maybe not all the time. If you do this or not, they will. But there are more good times than bad times. I mean, bad situations, like not knowing how to drive across a mountain and, and then ending up in the dark in the pouring rain or, or ending up in places that you might not be able to turn around. When I'm towing my feet, I flat tow it. It's called a tow. You flat tow it on the ground. All four wheels are on the ground. And you can't back up. If you had a trailer, you could, but there's no pivot point. It turns exactly the way the RV turns, and you, you cannot back up with it. And I think maybe twice I've ended up in places where I got stuck and I couldn't, three times, I couldn't make the turn with it to turn around and I'd have to get out and disconnect <laughs> my car and move it out of the way and back up and turn around and connect my car again. And sometimes I'm lost in traffic. I'm in the middle of the road when that happens. So stuff happens, but you just kind of, and I, I, I might sometimes stress a little over it, but you just, Deal with the situation and keep going, knowing that there's something better out there beyond that situation. Well, it's been interesting too. I was talking to your website, and somebody wrote a music for your like for your journey. It was a video. I thought that was really cool. How how did that come about? So I didn't. First of all, I didn't plan to write a book and wrote a book and and didn't have to self publish. I said I wasn't going to write it if I was going to self publish, and so I have a traditional publisher. And then after the book. And more and more states and people enjoying my my YouTube videos or traveling with me and the posts that I shared on social media, on Facebook, under bumping down highways. People started telling me more and more, I feel like I'm on the road with you and I love this. We keep doing this. And so I'd love to do a TV show. Um, working, and so I started working on a pitch. For a TV show, we filmed that film, that video that you saw is on, is on my website. The Highway is the name of the song and what I would like to name the TV show. So one of my sponsors told me when I first started talking about doing the filming, he said, you've got to meet this guy. He wrote this song like 30 years ago and other songs he wrote went somewhere. But this song is your story. And it's crazy because it really is my story. 
he connected us and Michael Carter, mm-hmm. who wrote the song Home Sweet Highway. He connected Michael and I, and I talked to Michael, told him what I wanted to do, uh, except for the song, the original song, was recorded by Land. And I asked him, would you one word or two words? Instead of saying him, could you say her? Instead, I'll go one step further. Because here it was a man singing it. It was about his voice. He said, I'll go one step further. I'll have a woman record it for you again. And you can use the song. And so it's pretty incredible. I think it's out there on on some different sites. You can just Google Home Sweet Highway and Michael Carter. You should be able to find it. It's a cool song, but it really is my story. People think I'm crazy. They wonder why I can't settle down. And and to have had somebody write that 30 years ago, I, I believe he wrote it for me. He just didn't know who it was for because it wasn't sung by other artists. It wasn't picked up anywhere. And now everybody that hears it absolutely loves it. So I'm working on pitching that TV show, Home Street mm-hmm. Highway. And for me, I talk to it almost every week. He's absolutely amazing. And I'm headed to Alaska this summer. I'm 47 states. Oh, wow. Three to go. Yeah, three to go. North Dakota, Alaska, and Hawaii. And I would love to get someone to pick this show up before I head to Alaska. Because I think I'm going to be the first one to have argued all of this. That's amazing. Did you, you set off with the say, so how'd you get Hawaii? So I will drive my RV up through North Dakota, Canada, Alaska. When I come back down the West Coast, mm-hmm. RV, but it was about $24,000, and I decided I couldn't afford to do that. I don't. I'm not a millionaire. <laughs> and so I, I wanted to still, I didn't want to just say I went to Hawaii. So I'll park my RV on the West Coast. I'm flying over to Hawaii, and I will rent an RV there. Uh, I'll be there about a week. And so I can drive around the the area and hang out in an RV park in Hawaii. Well, that's amazing. I didn't think about that. It's probably a lot cheaper to rent one there than it's shipping us over back and forth. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Way cheaper. Well, um, think about your book. Your book seems like it's a very good book. It's probably, so it seems like almost like a journal of what your experience is um, bumming down the highway. So any well, your next adventure will be in Alaska. One thing I would like to, I'm wondering, wrapping up, I guess, and you can leave in people overcoming their fears and just doing it. So I, I'm, I think I was afraid. It's not the driving or going to Alaska. It's that I'm driving to Canada. So there are different laws. There are different rules. I don't know anyone there. I don't know anyone in Alaska. I'm going to be a long ways from home. And I would say to people, whatever it is you fear, find a way to overcome the fear. Identify what you're afraid of In what exactly are you afraid of. And, and do it anyway. Find the resources, find people that will support you and encourage you along the way. People said I was crazy. They said I shouldn't or I couldn't do this when I first started out. And I did it anyway. <laughs> I proved that no matter how crazy something like seem, you can do anything if that your mind to. Where, where they can connect you? They can find more about you? Absolutely. So they can find uh, me under Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, YouTube. It's all under Bumping Down Highways. Or they can go to my website and access everything. 
uh, at com. All links will be in the show notes um, for this episode. I really do appreciate Jenny for being on the podcast today. I really do appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. I look forward to sharing it with everyone. Wrapping up in this episode, I really want to thank Jenny Edwards for being a guest on the podcast. You can find more about her over at bumpingdownthehighway.com. You can find all links in the show notes for this episode over at no sitting on the sideline.com slash nine four. Hey, please reach out, leave a comment. We have a question. Hey, I'd like to hear what you, what you thought about this episode or just let me know how you're doing, especially in this time of the pandemic and the COVID stuff and stuff like that. I'd like you to say hello. You can find all my contact information at nocityonthesideline.com slash contact. Hey, in the near future, I'm going to get more episodes out quicker. I, gotta, I really got to catch up with all the great people I got a chance to interview. You're going to really enjoy the topics we're, just coming up, we're discussing from importance of exercise, fatherhood, mental health stuff, self-improvement, stuff like that. I think you're really going to enjoy the episodes coming up. And I really want to thank you for taking time to listen to me. It's really important to me. I really appreciate it. Well, thank you for listening. Until next time, take care. Give your kids a hug. I mean, real big squeeze hug. And tell them much you love them. God bless. Take care. See ya.